a lot of uh, mathematical foundation established a long time ago. I feel maybe the adoption or the traction of AI really happening recent years because advancement of infrastructure. When I say infrastructure, is hardware, software, so that a lot of things which we think impossible is impossible to do now is become a very practical exercise. Welcome to the Conversations on Applied AI podcast where Justin Grammons and the team at Emerging Technologies North talk with experts in the fields of artificial intelligence and deep learning. In each episode, we cut through the hype and dive into how these technologies are being applied to real-world problems today. We hope that you find this episode educational and applicable to your industry and connect with us to learn more about our organization at AppliedAI.mn. Enjoy! Welcome, everyone, to the Conversations on Applied AI podcast. Today, we have Ching-Wei Yuan, a Director of Modeling and Data Science at Donaldson. Prior to joining Donaldson, he was a manager at Eaton in their Hydraulics Advanced Technology Group. Ching-Wei has master's degrees in electrical and computer engineering and a PhD in mechanical engineering, both from the University of Minnesota. Thanks, Ching-Wei, for being a part of the program today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, you know, I gave a little bit of an intro with regards to where you're at today, uh, you know, how you kind of went from Eaton to being at Donaldson. Maybe you could put a little more color around it, I guess. How, how did how did you get into the field and, and uh, you know, how, how have you kind of progressed in, in your career? Thanks for the question. Actually, uh, it's a pretty unique uh, experience for me. My background is uh, control engineering. Actually, I got my PhD uh, in uh, control, dynamic system control in mechanical engineering. Control is a pretty interesting field, right? It's uh, dealing with uh, all kinds of uh, dynamic system behavior, and then you're trying to bring the behavioral system to the designed state. So I think uh, in Eaton days, I was uh, having opportunity to dealing with a lot of complex problems. Mm-hmm. So I take one example, like uh, I'm not sure you're familiar with like uh, electric hydraulic valves. It is a control device to control the hydraulic fluid entering and leaving the hydraulic actuator. So all the big construction equipment, agriculture equipment, majority are controlled by the, this type of uh, fluid. Control device is actually highly nonlinear. You know, you think about the manufacturing uh, millions of different control devices, you know, you're going to have a tolerance, different tolerance. And, uh, uh, used to be a very, very tedious uh, manual tuning process to make sure each valve working for each machine. It, mm. It's uh, unbelievable uh, tedious. So I had an opportunity to develop some kind of electric hydraulic control system. Then the one thing I say, how can we overcome this kind of variation from one system to another? Mm-hmm. Are we able to introduce uh, some of the uh, intelligence to help valves understand like a mechanical data band or different system response so that they can learn, learn the system behavior and then adjust certain parameter so that for different machine, different system, they can still maintain optimal or semi-optimal performance. So that part of work actually reflect what is a control domain trying to do, right? You, you already have a concept of the training your control algorithm to achieve the optimal. You already have like a monitoring kind of mechanism, but it's, a, it's a for the embedded system. It's for yeah. a single system. 
So, so I, I think I personally develop an interest when I look at uh, a fast-growing domain on the data science. You know, in, in the end, it's a, it's a similar. It's a similar problem just in a bigger scale, right? Mm -hmm. You have a more data, you have a different dynamic system you're trying to predict and uh, hopefully control. So I say, yeah, you know, what uh, I learned in, in the different scale can be applied to a much larger scale and then mm -hmm. have an impact uh, for the different ecosystem. So I started to develop interest from control to eventually uh, data science. And I feel fundamentally a lot of uh, connection and a common ground. Yeah, just a little bit of background how I switch from uh, one domain to another. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I, I mentioned during the intro, you have a, a PhD in mechanical engineering. Do you sort of see that being a, a unique skill set too? Because like you say, you're talking with these physical systems and all the mechanics going on inside of it, but yet you have all this experience in electrical and computer and uh, engineering. I feel the multidiscipline certainly help because, uh, you know, in the data science, eventually you solve uh, a lot of different problems. So I think uh, it's very hard to be successful just to stick to input, output, and focus on the algorithm. You have to pull back to look at what is the problem, why that's a problem important. You have mm -hmm. to formulate something, right? And mm -hmm. then after you go going through the algorithm exercise, you know, apply your uh, artificial intelligence and get some performance, you have to look at what that means, right? What the impact, what that means. So I feel like uh, my training on uh, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, computer science, and uh, in particular control mindset, I feel give uh, me a, a lot of help to understand this kind of multidiscipline element, you know. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're dealing with a physical object in the field and you're, you're trying to get data from it, there's all sorts of things that are out of your control. And so being able to apply, like you said, this multidiscipline approach certainly helps because it's not as straightforward as people would, would think when you're talking about these control systems, especially the very complex ones that you're working on. One of the people that I, I, I like to ask uh, one of the questions is, is how do you define AI? AI is such a broad concept, but um, you know, do you have a short elevator pitch uh, either uh, sort of around how you conceive AI, or when people ask you, what do you do in your job? Do you, you have sort of a, a way that you like to explain it? Explosive uh, definition of AI, this mm -hmm. case. So, so I think uh, from my perspective, I keep it very simple. And uh, I call it uh, learn from past, predict the future. So uh, that's basically, if you think about, you call machine learning AI, the learning Right, intelligence, like a human intelligence. The, the reason we be able to hold our bar that high is because we have a, a continuous learning experience from past, from childhood, from school, from experience. Mm -hmm. That gave us capability to formulate a thought and predict. I think for artificial there, I feel it's, a, it's the same thing. It's a very simple, you, you give them opportunity to learn and give them opportunity to predict. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this concept of AI, I think, has been around for probably since the early days of computing, right? It's, it's everyone's been wanting to make the computers more intelligent. What do you think is, is different, I guess, today than maybe what we have seen in the past, say, you know, say the past 10 years versus the past 50 years? Yeah, I think if you, I mean, even from the textbook of the control theory and uh, machine learning, a lot of uh, mathematical foundation established a long time ago, right? Long time ago. I feel maybe the adoption or the traction of AI really happening 
recent years because advancement of uh, infrastructure. So I, I, when I say infrastructure is hardware, software, so, so that a lot of things which we think impossible, it's impossible to do, now it's become a very practical uh, exercise. So, so that basically opened the door, right, for many, many, many opportunities to apply the algorithm developed many, many years ago to growing application. So I think uh, that enabling piece, I feel, is really key to uh, drive the adoption and actually going to be uh, continue being adopted in the coming year. It just becomes a tool set, right, for, for many, many applications. Sure, sure. Yeah, so like, what's an example you think of with regards to things that you thought maybe we thought were impossible, you know, 10 years ago or so, and now all of a sudden, I guess I wouldn't say easily solvable, but they're actually solvable today. Do you have an example you could think of? I mean, uh, one example I feel probably autonomous drive, right? If you think mm. about, you know, you, you're dealing with uh, so much information and uh, you have to deal with it in real time. And uh, even for 20 years ago, you think about that kind of intensity of computation is never achievable in embedded system. And uh, well, now it's, it's uh, you know, so many car companies are doing that. It, it's just a common practice now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Great example. Well, what are some of the problems that you, and I guess your organization are trying to solve today that are pretty difficult for you, but maybe in the next, when we talk five years from now, you'll have them solved. But I'm just kind of curious, maybe you could shine some light on that. Yeah, I, I think uh, for enterprise AI, I call business AI, sometimes we are not necessarily uh, trying to bring the most uh, challenging technology in-house. So many times it's trying to understand what are the opportunities. Just to understand what the opportunities, we can apply this kind of new technology to convert from manual process to certain automation and a certain intelligence to uh, make the uh, job impossible possible. I have, uh, you know, I think a few examples. I think uh, in uh, Donaldson, uh, we actually explore uh, several swimming lines in the AI or machine learning domain. I can give a few examples because it's pretty broad. It's not like uh, we're just doing this or we're just doing that. It, it is yeah. uh, continuous expansion on our data-driven culture in the organization. And uh, the way for us to do that is uh, always find the most promising opportunity and uh, apply to certain technologies, see the success and use success story to educate broader organization and then build the traction gradually. There's a couple of interesting things, what, what, what I'm thinking the AI help us is the first one I would say IoT, IoT space. Mm. Donaldson is a filtration company. We are leading industrial filtration with a fundamental goal to providing clean air to all the application, right? Mm-hmm. So we used to a manufacturing company to create media, put into element, sell to different application, and the one airflow contaminant being captured, then you get uh, clean air. But uh, there is uh, no real understanding uh, like for this uh, filter element, what is really happening for the dirty air? Mm-hmm. Is the filter really reach the end of life or is the filter is it still in the beginning of usable life? There is uh, only schedule-based uh, maintenance practice in the field. So every three months, I mean, I 
talking about different application in the truck every six months, you just change the filter. Uh, in industrial manufacturing application, every two or three months, you just change the filter. But but now we need to actually help customer under, understand the, the value story. Did you change it too late mm-hmm. or did you change it too soon? Because there are consequences on each of the side, right? I, I can tell you for industrial filter, it's actually pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. It's not like two or three dollars. It's, it's a very expensive. You talk about hundreds of dollars. If you just randomly change based on week or month schedule, you may actually waste a lot of material. Sure. Waste a lot of material. The filter may be only 10% of life. You didn't turn your factory in 100% capacity. You still just change the filter as euro. Uh, that's a waste, right? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Another side, you know, if you say, you know, I really want to push everything to the boundary. I really want to push everything to the extreme. Uh, then you run the risk of the filter actually reach end of life, lose the capability to filter the contaminant, then contaminant getting into your equipment. I think it, we have a very wide application from aerospace, transportation, off-highway, industry manufacturing. But in the end, you know, your equipment is going to be uh, vulnerable for the performance and the life. You know, some dirt may maybe kill your engine. So uh, we basically think, you know, introduce sensing mm-hmm. as a starting point into our filter. And... Uh, then when you receive like a pressure signal, temperature signal, you can start to learn. You can start to learn what's going on. You can start to learn uh, what is uh, filters in real life based on the sensing data. That's one thing. And you can also, can also learn what is uh, operating procedure and the duty cycle for different application. So that going to that training and learning going to give a tremendous insight for us to understand what is the right maintenance schedule, what is recommended inside to the customer in a yeah. different field, and then eventually create the fundamentally create a value for them, right? Create a value for them. So this is one example. I think uh, it's very practical and you deploy the sensing element to the field and you collect the, the data, you, you, you use AI to starting to understand the pattern, understand the trend, create the insight, and then help a customer make a change on their action, you know? So this is a control system. If you think about it, it's a control system. They change their behavior, they change their supply chain system. So you don't need to put a, a pile of the element in your field as an inventory. So because all the information flowing, you can streamline the supply chain and once you reach end of life three weeks ahead of time, you can inform ordering system to kick off, then you get a parts right on your door, right? So that, that kind of things are, are pretty amazing and a great uh, tremendous opportunity. You're right. Very, very practical example because it's not a one size fits all. Every organization is going to be using their filters differently. And you're right. If it's just a standard time, come out and change it too early, too late. And there's consequences on both sides of that. And then I think what's really cool, too, is that you, you're talking about it percolating through the entire system, right? So you're right. It, there's the entire supply chain side of it, where now you don't need to store all these things, or you're, it's just-in-time ordering. So it makes it, it makes a ton of sense for an organization to sort of employ, or I, I, say, I guess I would say de- deploy, some of these uh, technologies within their company. What's some of the challenges? Like, I mean, obviously, that's, okay, so we, we have this solution we're looking at. 
there's everything from the sensors to the connectivity that need to be set up to the data ingestion to, I mean, just to filtering out all the noise that maybe is going on within that. What are some of those challenges then if we, if we stay on that sort of like really awesome business use case? What are some of the challenges that you're seeing as you actually go to build out this technology in general, I guess, you know? Our practice to solve the challenge uh, problem. The Dell life could be a lot of technology review meeting. It's a conversation with a supplier or technology provider partner, and also have some kind of logistic piece. You have to consider investment budget. You know, hey, we want to have this big investment next year for this technology. How we figure out investment framework? Because it's too late, you want to do tomorrow, and you talk about the money, right? So right. <laughs> there's some some of those part and uh, uh, hiring, hiring and recruiting uh, in data science domain. I feel it's a uh, very challenge. Actually, I'm growing the team on the data science side. I uh, witness of uh, some of the challenge how you find uh, right talent in this domain, and you you have to be uh, able to spend more time to understand market dynamic and be flexible and able to get the right people into the job. And personally, I think uh, I want to reserve every day, reserve some time to absorb a de- development in this area. You know, this is a fast growing area on both uh, data engineering, data science, you know, almost every uh, domain, you know, 10,000 companies pop up, right, in this domain every year. Uh, Sometimes you probably feel too hands full, but, you know, have to maintain that kind of learning agility every day to see what's going on and uh, make sure stay on top of the field. But you just feel like uh, it's just uh, so exciting every day and the time is is a is a biggest enemy. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I, I know what you mean about trying to stay engaged and learning new stuff. That was kind of the reason behind sort of this podcast and the Applied AI group is just getting more and more people together to talk and learn from each other. I'd like to dig a little bit on the hiring and recruiting stuff. Like, what would you suggest people uh, do? Are there any are there any books or classes or conferences or stuff like that? Any places that you have found other podcasts or places that you found sources of inspiration that maybe you might suggest to people? Well, there's a, a lot of perspective. Maybe I I will talk uh, line by line, uh, just my perspective from uh, cost perspective. Right now, there's just there's so many resources available. I, I feel like, uh, you know, you can just uh, uh, grab any of the reputed university institute. Uh, there are a lot of high quality uh, course available. I think my suggestion is maybe on one, focus on some uh, fundamental, really understand what uh, are the operating principles underneath uh, some key hours. Because uh, there are a lot of open package, open source uh, package available, a lot of solution available. And uh, it's uh, probably getting less important for implementation to let you write the 1,000 line code for one particular algorithm. It, it is a utilization and choose the right one to solve the right problem. So build the fundamental understanding of the uh, different piece, how they play together, working well on different conditions is more important than you know the implementation of individual algorithm. The so number two, on the cost side, I think I feel like um, uh, right now the things are moving from uh, PC and on-premise uh, setting to uh, cloud. So I feel for data science uh, practitioner, maybe find a one or two. I don't care if it's uh, AWS or 
Microsoft, you know, you choose one, you know, just uh, uh, get a little bit of uh, flavor and a certificate on how the data science platform working together with the ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. Database, you know, cloud warehouse, uh, streamline a mechanism, bus, you know, virtualization, just get a little bit of uh, flavor of, okay, I eventually going to de deploy that not on my PC. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's going to deploy on this uh, internet. So what are the other basic elements I need to be aware and uh, to connect with uh, the algorithm and the AI piece? I, I feel yeah. like that's going to be provide a little bit of boost to to the career. For sure. For sure. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's a big difference between, like you said, I was kind of laughing with regards to like, you know, running something in a Jupyter notebook on your computer to bring it into a full sort of ML ops pipeline where you know, models can be adjusted on the fly and, and all that sort of stuff out in the field. So great, great perspective. Well, we, we're getting close to the end here. Um, I'll put some liner notes. So I'll put a link off to your, to whatever sites you want to have people check out both across the board here. But yeah, how, how do people reach out to you, Jingwei? Yeah, LinkedIn is a perfect uh, choice. And uh, I actually spend a lot of time on LinkedIn uh, for the continued learning. So I'm pretty uh, proactive over there. So, you know, connect me, feel free to connect me over there send a message, you know, and uh, willing to uh, share whatever I have. Awesome. Cool. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Any any subjects you wanted to touch on around artificial intelligence? Uh, just an interesting uh, fact, right? I, I, I just recently learned how much impact of uh, machine learning and AI to our daily life, which I didn't pay attention previously because we, we think, uh, you know, data itself is a bigger problem connect the data, connect the algorithm, deploy. I think that occupy the majority of my thought. Recently, I heard the energy consumption of uh, training for AI. I think one of the studies from IBM showing uh, one sophisticated algorithm, AI algorithm, just for training. The electricity for the training is equivalent to carbon uh, footprint of five car in its lifetime. So, just think about this effect, you know, it's a fascinating eventually if you think about, okay, it's not only about the digital impact because the digital is going to have a consequence on electricity and on the physical world. So if we deploy more and more and this kind of energy consumption and other things will be eventually linked to our daily life. So I know the data center already consume like a 10% electricity. So I just, consider moving forward the mode model being deployed and uh, that part is going to be a, a bigger factor in future. So I just feel like it's uh, interesting to share that observation and uh, we'll see how that goes. You know, people will starting to pay attention to energy efficient training, energy efficient computation, or maybe move some training from cloud to edge, you know, all kinds of things are going to develop and, uh, and, uh, it's just a very interesting angle. I just learned, I feel like maybe uh, worth share with the audience. Yeah, that's great. That is great. Yeah, I mean, training models aren't free, like you said, from an electrical standpoint. So just you think you're going to pay for it down the road because you could uh, potentially deploy this model out somewhere in an air conditioning unit that would be smarter and would only turn on when it needed to and all that type of stuff. But the impact to actually train that model costed you something. So it's sort of a, it needs to be a net positive at the end of the day. 
And you're right. I had, I guess I hadn't really even thought a lot about that. Most people are so busy just training models for the sake of training models. <laughs> and they don't really know that there is actually a cost to that. That's great perspective. Excellent. Excellent, Chingwei. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today and sharing your knowledge and look forward to hearing more uh, from Donaldson and yourself, obviously, as uh, you move throughout your career. And all of us are kind of learning and sort of building on each other in this new and exciting space. But I want to say thanks again for being on the show. And hopefully we'll have you back in the future again to talk about what's what's changed. Justin, thanks for your invitation. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, anytime in future. Great. Take care. Bye. Thank you. You've listened to another episode of the Conversations on Applied AI podcast. We hope you are eager to learn more about applying artificial intelligence and deep learning within your organization. You can visit us at AppliedAI.mn to keep up to date on our events and connect with our amazing community. Please don't hesitate to reach out to Justin at AppliedAI.mn if you are interested in participating in a future episode. Thank you for listening.